0: Welcome to Living Well. I'm your host, Greg Horn, and I'm here to help you live a better life by sharing research, insights, and big ideas in the fields of science and everyday practice that matter most to living well. We respect your time and strive to cultivate your interest in all facets of living well, so each segment will be swift, short, worthwhile, informative, free, and truthful. Today's topic, part of our Living Well series, is hosting well creating a favorable gut environment for the microbes that are our partners in health. Our bodies play host to at least 10 trillion microbes in the form of bacteria, viruses, fungi, and simple animals. Amazingly, these microorganisms that live in and on our bodies actually outnumber our human cells by about 10 to 1. This sounds incredible and perhaps a bit disgusting at first blush, but there's no getting rid of all these microbes. And you wouldn't want to if you could, because many of these organisms are absolutely vital for our health and well being. This microbiome community is our partner in good health. It seems that throughout our evolution, certainly since the first mammals and probably long before, microbes have been our symbiotic partners in survival. They have evolved right along with us to help us digest our food, extract additional nutrients ward off illness, and even regulate our hormones. It's a win-win relationship. The microbes get a nice warm body to live in, one that walks around and finds food to eat. In exchange, the microbes help us extract energy and nutrients that would otherwise be unavailable to us. Many of these microbes actually create important nutrients that we need but cannot make for ourselves. Maybe just as importantly, they protect us from other microbes It would also try to colonize our bodies and wouldn't play so nice. Let's face it, nature, anywhere there's a nice warm place with a lot of food constantly moving through it, some microbes are going to move in and set up shop. The beneficial microbes in our bodies have found a way to work with us and give us back something useful. In exchange, our immune systems typically do not fight them off. Let's talk about your microbiome. It's likely that before you were born, there were not any microbes on or in your body. In the womb, you receive nutrition through the umbilical cord and therefore don't have any digestion occurring to require or attract gut flora. All that changes at birth. When babies are born through normal vaginal childbirth, they're flooded with microbes from their mother's body that quickly colonize their skin and work their way into the infant's digestive system. Infants have been found to have their mother's intestinal flora in their upper gastrointestinal tract within days of birth. These are primary lactobacillus and bifidus strains, which help protect the infant from pathogens. Those are the bad bacteria. Babies born via normal birth are fully colonized by these lactobacillus bacteria within the first month after birth. Babies born through C-section do not get these bacteria, are instead initially colonized by Staphylococcus and other strains from their mother's skin. These babies can take up to six months to establish their normal intestinal flora. Remarkably, a mother's body seems to alter its chemistry to favor certain bacteria prior to childbirth. In the third trimester of pregnancy, certain species of gut flora increase and others decline. This seems to be the body's way of giving the new baby the right mix of microbes it will need to start out its life. There's strong evidence that this intestinal flora is necessary for infants to develop the gut-associated lymphoid system, which is the largest mass of lymphoid tissue in our body, about 80% of it. This is crucial for a proper immune system. In studies with newborn mice that had been kept sterile from these intestinal microbes, the mice were found to have underdeveloped intestinal immune systems. After infancy, babies continue to acquire new bacteria. How do they do this? Well, you know how babies love to put things in their mouth? Everything from hands to toys to dirt? That seems to be the primary way that new intestinal flora enter our bodies. Just a thought to make you feel slightly better when you see the dog licking your beautiful new baby's face or she sticks some dirt in her mouth. (laughs) She's augmenting her microbiome. Of course, we get all kinds of bacteria this way and only a small number become established in the gut. Fortunately, babies are surrounded by a variety of other humans and get a high proportion of human symbiotic bacteria from their families through touch. By age three, when most children in westernized countries are weaned and eating a wide variety of solid foods, our microbiome is largely in the form that it will take for the rest of our adult life. While there are hundreds of different species of gut flora, 30 to 40 species of bacteria seem to comprise about 99% of our intestinal flora. It appears that all human beings possess a small core of intestinal flora. These have probably been us with the dawn of man. Beyond these core microbes, there's quite a bit of variability from person to person and region to region. Some ethnic and regional groups may have very different gut flora, depending on the foods they eat and what their ancestors ate. Of course, intestinal microflora has long been used to improve health. Most people's understanding of microflora starts and ends with yogurt. Yogurt is an ancient food present in numerous cultures around the world. (laughs) Pun intended. Originally developed to preserve milk in the days before refrigeration, it appears to have been used medicinally to cure diarrhea since the 16th century and probably much longer. Let's take a look at some of the benefits we get from our microbiome, primarily our gut flora. The first is maintaining a healthy immune system. It's not an accident that about 80% of our body's immune system resides in our intestines. The presence of gut bacteria seems to cause lymph tissue to grow, particularly during infancy. The gut flora and our immune cells interact in numerous and fascinating ways. In short, the gut flora have various mechanisms to tell the body not to attack them, but to attack other pathogens instead. The gut flora plays an important role in directing the immune system's B and T cells that attack foreign bodies. They can also help shut off immune response to compounds which have been ingested and spend time in the gut, which is one mechanism for reducing allergies. Our gut flora's primary job is to help us absorb nutrients that our bodies need. These microbes may also help us absorb water. They definitely aid in absorbing lipids or fat molecules. They also break down complex starches that we lack the proper enzymes to digest. A study of rodents that were raised not to have gut flora found that they needed to ingest about one third more calories to maintain the same weight as similar rodents with gut flora. We don't know if these numbers are the same with humans, but clearly these microbes make animals more efficient at extracting nutrients from plant-based foods. A healthy gut microbiome also helps us maintain a healthy weight. With additional calories and fats that our gut flora helps us digest and absorb, you'd think they would be making us fatter. In actuality, the reverse seems to be true. A healthy microbiome can regulate body weight and help keep us at a healthy weight. This leads me to one of the most astounding studies I've read in a long time, one that challenged my own assumptions about overweight. In a study published in Science, the journal, in late 2013, researchers harvested the gut flora of human twins, where one twin was overweight and the other was not, and then they transplanted it into mice. The mice that got the normal weight twins' flora were unaffected, But the ones that received the microflora from the overweight twin soon became overweight. To me, this is very clear evidence that our intestinal flora plays a role in causing overweight and obesity. However, if getting the wrong set of bacteria only made a person obese, this would be a troubling report. Fortunately, the same study offered some very promising news. It seems that when researchers introduced the lean twins' gut flora to the now overweight mice that had received the other twins' flora. The new lean microbiome can take over if the mouse is fed a low-fat diet that's high in fruits and vegetables. The opposite is not true though. The lean mice don't get fat if the overweight twin flora is introduced. Our intestinal flora also seems to have the ability to influence our mood and mental state by releasing certain chemical substances. For example, when humans and rats have been supplemented with probiotics like lactobacillus Helveticus, and Bifidobacterium longum, they have shown less anxiety and fewer stress markers, like lower serum cortisol, when put in challenging tests than those without the probiotic supplements. The mechanism is not yet well understood. However, certain bacteria clearly have the ability to modify mood. One soil bone bacteria, Mycobacterium vasae, has been shown to release chemicals that have antidepressant effects on people who come in contact with it usually through gardening, by stimulating serotonin and norepinephrine production in the brain. So if these bacteria have this capability, it's very reasonable to believe that those bacteria involved, that evolved along with us, have similar capabilities. So if these bacteria have this ability, it's very reasonable to believe that those bacteria that evolved along with us have similar capabilities. Eating whole, live, fiber-rich food is a great idea for your health and the health of your microscopic partners in health. In the next segment, we'll talk about specific steps you can take to keep your gut microbiome healthy and operating at its best. As always, send your questions and comments to us at at infoliving wellcom and we'll answer them on a future show. You can also join us on Facebook at Greg Horn Living and subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen.